It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz, an afternoon edition, a special edition, coming to you from the East Coast, but hanging out with you at a normal time edition. It's 2.21 and we're doing this show edition. We're live on all sorts of formats. We'll have a bunch of fun. We'll talk about the Jazz win over the hapless Knicks, getting ready for the Celtics. Big picture Jazz stuff with 20 games to go. League-wide things and take all of your questions. It's, I don't know, does the drum roll work? Let's find out. It's Locked On Jazz for the 5th of March. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Thanks so much for tuning in. We are live on Instagram at DLock09. Please follow me. I'm trying to do updates throughout the game again. I got some people who requested that. Uh, if you're any of the younger generation out there that is like following the NBA, like my daughter through Instagram and things like that, tell me what content things you might need and want so that we can... Uh, Get them for you at a better level. We're live on Twitch at Locked On Live, on Facebook at Locked On Live, on YouTube at Locked On Live, and I believe we are live on Periscope at Locked On Sports. So thank you very much for tuning in. It is 4.22 here today. I've had a wonderful day. I went to coffee with the great Brent Berry. I went to lunch with the great Kevin Pelton, and it just meant that the Locked On Jazz never happened. Headed over to practice where the Jazz got ready for uh, some things today. As well, Jazz are coming off a nice win last night against the Knicks. Really just solid. The Knicks aren't good. Um, But the Jazz did kind of exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, And if you look at the way the Jazz, you know, they played three of the least um, good defensive teams in the league recently. And in those games, the Jazz have been terrific. That's what you should ask. You know, that's what the Jazz are. The Jazz are built. And I think it's taken us all a long time to get our kind of grasp on this. But the Jazz are built as an offensive basketball team. They are an offensive uh, basketball team. And so, in the you know, it used to be that when we played a game, we had a very slim margin by which we beat people offensively, and we'd have about 35 uh, or so games a year where defensively we were just so darn good that we beat you. Um, and we used to talk about it all the time on this show that the Jazz are putting up a – a 120 or a minus, you know, a one, uh, 100 defensive number and below that, and that's where we win. We win expert. That's how we used to win. Now we win offensively. We're, we're a different team than we were last year. We're the best catch and shoot team in the league by a large margin. We've got seven guys on our team who played at shoot 38% better on catch and shoots. Uh, we're, we're an elite level shooting basketball team now. And last night, we didn't even have a good shooting night. We still had a 112 offensive night for our 27th best offensive night of the year while shooting 28% from three. Uh, if we shot 28% from three a year ago, we lost. That's, that's simple. Uh, we're still not playing great defensively. Last night wasn't great defensively. Last few nights defensively, though, I have a hard time really trying to figure out what I think you should be doing defensively because of this. Whenever we needed to take control of that basketball game, we did. And so when that's the case, then what is it you really are supposed to be doing defensively? When we got to the point where defensively we needed to have a stop or two, that's exactly what we got. Um, And so I think it's it's a little misleading for me uh, to say, you know, you you, you didn't have a very good defensive game last night 
when the fact of the matter is they had as good a defensive game as they needed to have on a night in which they were able to, where they dominated the game, they won easily, uh, and they got everything that they needed to get. And I think that's what, you know, when you look at it, I think that's really all you can ask a team to do is to have that kind of defensive night in which you, um, you're in control of the game against an inferior opponent. I don't think there's any question uh, that they do that. For those of you on Instagram, I apologize for all the fiddling, but I just hated the way that looked. You were looking right at my nose, so I tried to fix it. Special hello to Jacob Morgan tuning in from the squad chairlift. Granite Chief chairlift. He's getting some pow. They haven't had much snow at all in squad, so if you're getting pow, that is good. Um, so hello to Jacob Morgan. Matt Moon says hello. Can you introduce me to Joe Ingles, his legendary thing? I should have set this up so that Joe joined us on the show today. Um, and uh, get that uh, for him. Uh, lunch break plus David Locke podcast makes for an easier workday. Well, I did not do that for you today because you're probably uh, behind lunch break. All right, let's we'll get to some of your questions, get things going. Um, we uh, NBA fan twenty four says with Mike Conley's frustration, is there any chance he declines his player option? I think that seems unlikely. It's thirty million. Mike's been pretty good recently, everybody. Um, I had a nice conversation with Mike last night before the game about his comments about the frustration. And, and it's interesting. He just kind of says that he feels like, you know, when one thing led to another this year where, you know, he's limited going through training camp. Then he comes out. He doesn't get a good start. Then he gets the hamstring injury. Uh, then the team plays 19 to 21 where they would have won 19, 19 and 21 where they would have won 19 and 21 whether he played or not. Um, and, you know, then – you know, just all sorts of things. Well, if you suddenly kind of look at Mike now and how he's playing, go look. Mike's last four games, now three of them are against, you know, not very good teams. 49% for the field, 44% from three, 16 points. I think that's, I don't think you can ask for much more than that. Back it up a little bit more. Let's take it all the way back to the, to the last 10 games Mike's played. He's averaging 17 points, four rebounds, five assists, shooting 47% for the field and 43% from three. That, frankly, is the player that I think we wanted. The most interesting comment that Mike made to me. And Mike and I talked a lot during training camp. And uh, I was so excited for Mike and thought it was going to work so well. And all the things I kind of told you I was talking to Mike about. He's never played with a wing, never had this, never all these different things. And I asked him if there was anything during camp where he like knew that I was wrong. Like, oh, it's actually going to be way more difficult than what you're saying. And he said the only thing that he noticed was that early on in camp, how good Boyan Bogdanovich was. And then if Boyan's that good, how am I impact? If Don, and Donovan's as good as he, where, how am I impacting this team? And so, I, you know, if you think about really all we all want as humans and, and as people is that self, you know, whatever validation or, whatever, right? Like we don't want to be deemed irrelevant. An aging person doesn't want to be thought of as being irrelevant. An aging player doesn't want to be thought about being irrelevant. And so, you know, what is it we want in this world? We want that, you know, feeling of value. And Mike's looking at himself in training camp. Like, where do I, what do I do for this group? How do I fit in? What's the impact that I'm going to be able to make for this group? And then it doesn't go right. I think we're beginning to see it in that second unit with him having that impact. I think we're seeing him, uh, be able to play in, in different stints with this group and the way they are. The bench unit I thought was good again uh, last game. And, and as we're saying, like he's playing, here you have him since 
for the month of, you know, since February 1st, 47% from the field, 43% from three, uh, 17 points, five rebounds, four rebounds, five assists, and a steal. Uh, and only 1.4 turnovers on a team that's a little turnover uh, heavy. So I think that's I think that's a pretty darn good start. Looks like he's coming around uh, awfully nicely for the Jazz um, in that regard. Um, let's go to Sooner Nation 13 on Instagram. What has gone wrong with Joe? I can tell his confidence in his shot is gone. How does he get it back? You know, it is interesting. He is not pulling the trigger. Uh, looks at times allergic to shooting, which is weird. Um you know, he was so good with it. Our catch-and-shoot stuff is amazing, right? So I think you've probably heard me talk about it. Hopefully you listen to our broadcast and get that insight. Uh, Ron does an incredible job, and and we prepare for, for these games, and he, and he does just amazing work. So if you look at our catch-and-shoot three-point shooting numbers, Joe Ingles leads the team at 44% uh, on the season. George Niang's at 44. Royce O'Neal's at 43 Boyan Bogdanovich is at 43. Donovan Mitchell's at 43. Mike Conley's at 40. Jordan Clarkson's at 40. Emmanuel Moutier, who's not really in the rotation, is at 38. That's it. So those are our catch-and-shoot guys. If you look at Joe's last 15 games, I mean, he's our leader on our team at 44%. In the last 15 games, Joe is suddenly 8 of 25 on catch-and-shoots, 32%. Seems unusual. George Niang slipped a little bit, too. He's at 35% recently. Donovan's at 53%. Mike Conley's at 45% in the last 15 games. Mike Conley was one of the best. Take it to the last last year. Take it to the last 10 games. And the bigger number is that Joe is four of his last 17 on catch-and-shoot threes. Okay? So Joe's right. Honestly. Uh, my take on Joe, and I haven't asked him, and you don't really ask players this question, is that there's something that's maybe body-wise not quite right right now, and he knows it. Um, and that he is uh, he's aware of it, and it's and he knows why his shot is off, and so that's why he's not taking it. That's my guess um, on Joe. The other one, I guess, I would tell you, is since I believe in larger sample sizes than smaller sample sizes, is that at some point here, Joe's going to go nuts. Right, so that you know, for the four, Joe's going to shoot forty-three percent on catch and shoot threes. That's if you look at Joe's career, that's what Joe does. Um, and so I would guess that that's where Joe. You know, I can do it. Let, here, let's pull it up. We'll do it together. Give me one second here, as we just kind of master the. Someday I'm going to have just show my computer screen, and then you can just see me pounce from things. So Joe for the year is a forty-four percent catch and shoot three-point shooter. Last year. Joe Ingles was a 40% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. The year before, he was a 46% three catch-and-shoot. The year before that, he was a 46% catch and So the last four years, Joe's been 44 46%. Here, if, first of all, he's at... The, the key thing, I think, for the year, he's at 44%. So even with that slump, he was so hot somewhere along the way that he has now exceeded and is at his career number. Therefore... My general take is he's just going to even out and go to 44%. The other chances he could get a little hot for a while, and then he'll probably cool off again. But, you know, fine. So he's slumped, and we'll, we'll go to 44% uh, now for the rest of the way for Joe is my guess. But, yeah, no, there's no question. I think he's, a, you know, he's in a little slump. I think he's aware of it. He's bypassing shots. The, the bypassing of shots probably accentuates the slump because he's not getting as good a looks as he got before. 
and it kind of works on itself, and then eventually you, you bust out. You hit two or three, you feel good. You get the Joe Swagger going. You throw the lefty shot up there, and it goes in. Maybe you should talk to Ron and I more during pregame. I don't know. Do you watch On the Floor? We're an hour before every game. Ron and I are live on all these same channels for you, except for Instagram, before each and every game. So feel free uh, to join us. Today's show, live show, brought to you by Intercap Lending. Intercap, continue to expand and expand. St. George, Logan, Twilla, Verna. Last time I checked, they had 15 branches in Utah, plus Boise and Las Vegas and Phoenix. Um, Last year, they got their revenue halfway through the year from the year before. Why? Because they get deals done. It's really pretty awesome. And it's largely because of our guy, Steve Carter. Let's give Steve Carter all the credit. But really, Josh Romney brought them back in April of 2016 have been employing people in Utah. They just do things differently at Intercap. They're hyper-responsive. They embrace change. The borrower experience is elite. And we have our personal lender at Locked On Jazz for you. His name is Steve Carter. And the reviews that come in for Steve are just endlessly awesome. Uh, you can reach Steve at 385-885-28. I usually read a bunch of reviews. You know what? Can I just tell you my review? I use Steve Carter as my personal lender. That's how we started this relationship. He was straightforward. He was polite. He was personable. He drove over to the Zions Bank Center to get some paperwork to me because he knew I was never going to get it done. He made walked me through their apps really good, and he helped me out in a lot of things like that. I'm not a guy who ever gets these things done, right? right? The will and the mortgage refi are the two things that never get done. Steve Carter couldn't help me with the will, but he got the mortgage refi done, saved us a ton of money. Steve Carter, 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, let's get back to your questions. Um, Steve Campbell, we seem to beat sub 500 teams, which is not always easy to do, but need another defensive player. I mean, so this is the whole adjustment of who we are, Steve. We are now an elite, elite offensive team. Now we have been, let's, there's two data points I can pull here and, and one of them's good and one of them's horrendous. Okay. So since December 24th, which is now getting to be a long way away, by the way, that's when we added Jordan Clarkson, kind of refined who we are as a team. We are the number one offense in the NBA. We have a 117.8 offensive rating. The next best is Dallas at 116. Then Denver at 115. New Orleans at 115. Clippers at 115. By the way, those are all Western Conference teams. Miami is the number one Eastern Conference offense because of the purple cow, Duncan Robinson. I'll explain that in a second. 
Then the Lakers are seventh, the Blazers are eighth, and the Celtics are ninth. The Rockets are tenth, and the Spurs are eleventh. So nine of the top offenses since December 24th are all in the Western Conference. Pretty incredible. So we're the number one offensive team in the league. We're 21 and 10 there. We are the fourth best differential in the league. The Bucks are the best at 11, the Lakers at 7, the Raptors at 7, the Jazz at 5.6 in that span. We're 21 and 10. The Clippers are 20 and 9 in that stretch. Memphis is 20 and 11 in that stretch. Um, so New Orleans is 18 and 13. Thunder 23 and 10 as well. Okay, so that's who we are. That's the good now. There's the there's the doomsday there, which is the day the Rockets went small on us on the 27th of January. Since that day, we are not as good. We're the 19th team in differential. We're seven and nine. And we're 27th in the NBA defensively. That's the daunting number. Both of those seem a little funky, right? I just don't think we're 27th in the league defensively. We've been really poor. Teams are getting downhill on us. They're getting in the lane. We're not stopping the ball. We're not guarding the ball very well. Rudy's not having his big impact. Teams are shooting unnaturally high against us in that time period. So uh, in, in that sense, I don't think we're really that team. But yeah, we have to get better defensively. But I also don't know how we're getting different players at this point in the season. I kind of think these are our players. Um, there aren't really other guys um, out there. We don't have great defensive players. Our two best defensive players are undrafted. Well, other than Rudy. Our two best perimeter defenders are undrafted. Undrafted usually means you're not an elite athlete. If you think about it that way. So I think that when you kind of look at that, you have to understand who we are a little bit. So yeah, that's an issue. Uh, Jane Van James Wather loves the energy there. Thanks. Is Rudy eligible for an extension this summer? I do think so. I think he's eligible for the Super Max this summer. We've got to make a decision of whether we want to pay him the Super Max. But the fact is, there's so much money open in his free agent market coming up a year after that. Somebody will. Somebody will do that. Dark Lem tells me no sound on Twitch. But it does sound... Like, it, there is on just Twitch, but it's just out of the left ear. Um, so maybe that's something on your setup, and I don't know what I can do about that. I'm feeding uh, through only one. So apologize to that, Dark Lem. Uh, Judd1232 and Q-Boy, thank you very much. Um, David, weird question. If you were coaching a jazz team with Carmelo Malone in the current NBA system without mid-range emphasis, what would you do? Oh, I mean, I think Mailman's so great a player, he would have just adjusted um, he'd play center. He wouldn't play power forward. It's really interesting, right? He'd switch one through five. He'd probably be good enough to do that. I think he would learn to shoot a three without any problem. I think he'd have a pretty good dribble drive game with his strength. Um, and I think he'd power to the basket. The other thing about the mailman is with, if I go back and look at his shooting percentage, I would guess his efficiency is high enough that we would he would be just fine playing post-up. A lot of people are asking about whether or not we have a chance to get to the fourth seed. Nothing like beating a bunch of, of pant, pant or what, what, do we, what do we call them? Pant, pant, what's the word I'm thinking of? Patsies. To get us thinking that. Here's what 538 projects. The Lakers at 62, Clippers at 57, Rockets at 55, Nuggets at 54, and the Jazz at 51 wins. 
with Dallas and Oklahoma City at 49. So we actually have a three-game gap between us and the Nuggets for home court and a two-game gap the other way. So that that is seems like a lot. ESPN, if we run their numbers and their projections, which are a little different than 538. 538 has a little bit to do with the ultimate roster and off their mellow. Theirs is not that different, though. LA at 63, Lakers 57, Houston and Denver at 53, and then Utah at 51, so three off that, Dallas at 50, and Oklahoma City at 49. I wonder what Denver will do to try to manipulate this. We also got to keep an eye on, you know, we actually have the ability to manipulate this. If if we, if say Denver and Houston are tied on the last night, we can go beat Denver to force them down to four and play them in the first round. I think we would prefer that. Or we could suddenly slip on purpose to six, making them win and try to get them. There's a, there's a chance we could manipulate this um, a little bit. Basketball reference is the other system that's out there. Um, that does a pretty nice job in their projections. Their projections are always a little lower on the win total. They're not as um, aggressive in the possibilities. They, though, also list, and Unpredictable does some things too. I'll see if I can find it. So they have the Jazz as a 2% chance to the two seed at this point, a 9% chance for the three seed, and a 17% chance to the four seed. So they have us at about a 28% chance, 28, 29% chance for a home court advantage. So limited. And they have us at a 30% chance as the 5 seed, 25% for the 6, and 6, 17% for the 7 seed. Um, they have us at a 5% chance to win the conference. They project us to win 51, Denver to win 53, Houston to win 53, very similar. Dallas to be at 49.8, Oklahoma City a little lower. There's just not a lot, of, you know, there's not a lot left. They have Memphis, by the way, taking that 8th playoff spot. At some point, New Orleans has to start winning games. What is the matchup from Brady Vernon that I do not want to see in the first round of the playoffs? Let me chew on that and think about it. We'll come back with more here on Locked on Jazz Live Tuesday, or wait, Thursday edition live afternoon show. Come to you on all of our formats. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. The Locked On Podcast Network is home to the number one daily NBA podcast, Locked On NBA. 
no team that relies on any single player like the Rockets rely on Harden or have historically relied on Harden has ever had any kind of realistic title aspirations. They might already have a window closed on them before it's even actually opened in Orlando. It's just not realistic for a team to rely on a single player there and be able to win a championship. When you want the biggest stories and the best NBA talk before it's old news, listen to the Locked On NBA podcast every day, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, By the way, Rejecting the Screen is up and out today. Rejecting the Screen goes ISO with Brendan Haywood. That's a very good, fun conversation. That podcast is really good. If you haven't added that to your NBA, I know your NBA calendar is full. Uh, Locked on NBA today, Ben Golliver and I had a lot of fun, and we named the Duncan Robinson, which I think you've heard me talk about. The Duncan Robinson is the time in which a player in the NBA shoots more than six shots, divisible by three, and all of them are threes. And uh, Duncan Robinson, uh, but we've ch- have changed it. Rather than Duncan Robinson, we're going to call it the Purple Cow. And the reason we're calling it the Purple Cow is because Duncan Robinson started his collegiate career at Williams College, Division Three school. And the Williams College mascot is the Purple Cow. That's right. So now, anytime... Anyone has six or more threes in a game, but or six or more shot attempts in a game, but they're only threes. It is going to hereby be known as a purple cow. Is that good? You like that? That's what we got for you. Uh, Nick over at Locked On Nut Mavericks did a little rundown, by the way. Those people with purple cows this year are the following. Uh, Let me see if I can find this for you. Uh, Duncan Robinson leads the league in purple cows with 18. Ben McLemore has 10 purple cows. Landry Sham at five. Davis Bertans four. Danny Green four. Kyle Korver four. Mike Scott four. Jay Crowder, he tipped the cow last night. He went one for nine from three and only took nine shot attempts. That's a tipped cow. Brandon Knight three. Patty Mills three. Uh, and Torian Waller, Torian Prince has three. All right, so those are the players with purple cows uh, so far this year. You guys can now start building on. Let me know. Notify me anytime there is a purple cow. Who do I not want to see? Well, I think the easy answer is you don't want to see the, the you don't want to be, I don't think we'll be the eighth seed. I think we can just kind of eliminate that idea. I, I really probably don't want to see the Clippers in the first round. I don't want to see the Rockets in the first round. So the Nuggets are really, really good. But Jokic, as great as he... And Jokic is great, but he... Do, I just don't want to play the Rockets again. The Clippers are great. I mean, really, none of them are easy. I'd like to play the Knicks or the Cavaliers or the Wizards. Is that possible? That would be great. All right, let's continue with the questions here. Uh... Will the Celtics win like they did last time through our defense, or will the Jazz have enough momentum offensively and win tomorrow night? Well, no Jalen Brown will hurt them a little bit. Uh, I'd be surprised if Gordon Hayward plays, but I don't know that. Only just sore knee and limited practice time. Maybe he'll get up and go. Um, so they could be a little limited. Tatum hit some tough shots last last time. Uh, you know, we have they're a top five offense and a top five defensive team. They're great. Uh, so they have, you know, they have a little more firepower. The other one, though, I think you just can't compare Western Conference teams to Eastern Conference teams. Like, if anything's more obvious, the last three nights playing, you get four games against Washington, Cleveland, and New York in a season, your numbers are skewed. 
Like the worst team in the Western Conference is just not that bad, right? It's Minnesota or Sacramento or San Antonio. Like they're just not the same. So Golden State, obviously, this year. But that, I mean, so the West is just so loaded compared to the East on the bottom. The top, Milwaukee, Lakers, Clippers, Rockets, Celtics, Raptors, Denver. Those seven, I think, are in the same caliber. And frankly, Indiana, Miami, Utah, Oklahoma City are probably in the same caliber as well. It's when you get to the bottom of the East, it's just so bad. Um, will Mike Conley play both ends of this back-to-back this weekend? I doubt it. Um, which would be too bad since he's playing so well, and I don't know that he's injured, but I, it does seem as though... Um, it does seem as though that seems to be the plan. Um, I don't know if that's going to change along the way. Um, I think Mike would like to play. Uh, just kind of the vibe I get from him. He's like, feels like he's getting it back together. He's liking that second unit. He's feeling good about it. The other thing is it's nice to give Emmanuel a shot. Steve Campbell, Derek Favors isn't available this year, but knows our system next year maybe. I mean, I, I think Favors has to make a decision where he wants to live and what he wants to do. Um, but with Boyan, is Derek Favors really signing with us to play 14 minutes as a backup center? Uh, I mean, you just I, we don't I don't think the the fact of the matter is the data is coming out and Kevin Pelton wrote a great piece recently on ESPN that when you when you don't have a big guy in the middle of the floor, your offense is way better, right? We're seeing that this year. We got rid of the two big guys in the middle of the floor. We we play surprisingly little amount with somebody in the paint for having Rudy Gobert. And so if you spread the floor and you don't have people in the paint, your offense is better. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, Favors, does he really want to come? We, we don't want Favors and Gobert back on the floor again, okay? We do, you know, hey, going from Derek Favors, the best backup center in the league to Tony Bradley's been hard. Um, so that's a big change for us. But you also, gonna, you know what, if we're going to play Rudy $35 million, you know what you get to pay your backup center? A million. That's the way it works. Like Ed Davis is overpaid for us if we have $35 million center. Bill Hedrick, haven't been on the live show in a bit, but excited, been listening to radio call year. Don't cut yourself short. You always, your call is always great. Thank you, Bill. I do not agree with you on that. I beat the hell out of myself, but that's hopefully what leads us to better shows. Um, Q-Boy on Twitch. Mike has started looking pretty good. If he keeps going, he'll be playoff ready. And then we are insane. I mean, I think the, really, the issue here is we need to be good by April 15th, right? That's our goal, is be good by April 15th. Lee Jensen, what is the Instagram you're streaming off of? Uh, on DLock09 is my Instagram. I am now, and also Snapchat is DLock9. Uh, every quarter, I'm trying to give you an update during a game. I'll try to give you a little previews. I'm trying to do a lot more content on Instagram and Snapchat for the younger folk. Because I be old. Um, I'm really, actually, for those of you that are parents, I'm actually going to talk right to you here. For those of you that are parents of a kid like mine who's 15 years old, and cares about the Jazz. How, what would they want? Ask them. Do they want me to give them a little... I know they're not, they're not watching the game anymore, right? So my daughter's a huge fan. She's probably watched five games all year. Parts of them. Goes to bed. What does she want? Would she want to... At the end of the game, would she want to recap so that the next morning I give her an audio recap? Would she want... What, what would they want to make their Jazz fan experience better? 20, 18 and under. Let me know dlock09 at gmail.com. Send me, and have them, you know what? If you have them, send me an email. I'll email them back. And if they think that's cool that the play-by-play announcer emailed them back, that's easy. So dlock09 at gmail.com. dlock09 
gmail.com. Have them tell me what they want. You can tell me what they want. Let me know. Um, I'd love to do it. Maybe I could do it with like a high a college or high school or high school class somewhere. Some high school. We could build some plan and execute. It'd be cool. I don't know. Uh, somebody said they're lazy. It's not true, by the way. For those of us that are in the 40s and want to do the whole lower, younger generation as lazy crap, it's not true at all. We ask more out of them than we've ever asked out of them before. They're more understanding than we are. They're more considerate than we are. They're much more caring than we ever were. They're not lazier. They live a different life, no differently than we live a different life than our parents did and that their parents, but they're not lazier. The kids I work with in our program and the jazz broadcasters aren't lazy at all. So they're not lazier. I don't buy that for one second. My sons, my son and my daughter are not lazy. They're insanely dedicated to what they do and their friends, their commitment and dedication to maturity, unbelievable, unbelievable. So I'm not buying that. It's too easy for us older generation folk to sit around and argue, oh, they're not as... No, it's not true. And you know what? Our parents weren't right when they said it about us. And the past generation wasn't right when they said, we're all getting better. It's progress. Coronavirus is kicking our ass, but we're getting better. Uh, Matt James, David, uh, from Australia. Great being able to watch the show live. I normally walking into work and listening to the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you. I don't know that we'll make a habit out of this, but it worked on the East Coast today. Uh, Matt Blake, is the jazz streak of 10 three-pointers made alive? No, it is not. It died. Let me pull up my numbers. Um, it died. We had seven against the Houston Rockets. We went seven to 31. Otherwise, we've had 10 or more threes. Mount America Credit Union's given away $100 on that 10th three every game since December 19th. But we lost it. Uh, we've hit 800 threes on the button this year, by the way, shooting 38.5%, if you're wondering. So we've had we've made 800 threes this whole year. It's kind of a fun round number if you like round numbers. Um, why don't we use Brantley? Most because we're good, frankly. Like we don't play. We're not playing guys that are young. Mia One and Jarrell Brantley had an awesome one-on-one -on -one game today. Actually, Emmanuel Moutier was in that too. Um, I practice at Emerson College because you know. You don't play. Rookies don't help you win. Second round draft pick rookies don't help you win. We hope that Brantley and those guys do it. Um, but we'll, you know, if we can, um, then we, we'll get them time. But, like, you just don't usually win with younger players. So um, we'll see. Uh, Blake Kohler seen lots of Donovan being a, a minus defender. What does he need to get better on that? I, I think that's actually fair. I don't like to criticize Donovan much. I'm a pretty big fan. He's awesome. I was giving him crap the other day because my daughter desperately wants one of his shirts and he's so popular they're sold out and you can't get him. And his first reaction is, I'll get you one, I'll call. I was like, no, no, no. I just think it's so cool that you're so popular. Like your stuff is sold out. John Kiefer, our broadcast assistant, was wearing that shirt yesterday. I was like, how'd you get that? Like Donovan's so hot. Like his stuff is sold out. It's such a cool thing. And then he's such a nice kid. That he was like, oh, I'm like, no, you will not make a phone call and get that. We'll figure it out. We'll get more. You'll get more printed. Adidas will take care of it. We'll find one. He's just that great a kid. But I think he's played less well defensively since he made the All-Star game. Not because of that or just maybe. I just meant that as a time frame. Then he probably can. And I think we'll see him pick it back up. There's probably. Remember, Donovan's doing everything for the first time. He's still a third-year player. Everything's for the first time. So as, as we move a little bit longer later in the season, 
I think we'll see Donovan pick up the defensive intensity a little bit. I think we saw us pick when we were in the losing streak. We saw him kind of will the team to energy early in games and get rolling uh, impressively. I think we'll see him pick up the defensive effort when he needs to. Uh, he might be, frankly, right now trying to figure out how he's getting to April 15th, right? It's really long. It's really tiring. It's really exhausting. How is he getting to April 15th? Uh, that is probably the number one thing on his mind right now is winning games and making sure that he's still um, ready to go. Do you think a small backcourt is why opposing guards seem to have big games on us? Is it more of a collective effort? Dame, Westbrook, Eric Gordon, Jamal Murray, to name a few, had big games. David Nelson, good question. Two things. One, they have big games because they're awesome. Right? Like Dame had big games against everyone. No question our backcourt's really small. Mike and Donovan are really small. I think it hurts us more in transition where they can't stretch out and build a wall. And if Rudy's not there, people are driving right by us in transition. Um, I think that we allow an inordinate amount of threes when Mike's on the floor, and that might be because of his reach being small. Um, so I think that, yeah, we, I think our small backcourt is kind of part of this whole transition of us going from a defensive team to an offensive team. And uh, I think that's probably the reality of, of who we are right now. Uh, and probably something we have to overcome, but it's also, right, we also just ran through, like, our catch-and-shoot numbers, and those two guys were two of the best. So we have an important offensive backcourt with both guys playing incredibly well offensively right now, and that is probably a little bit of the weakness um, that you have there. Um, I think the all O's other than points should be called the flat tire. Oh, I love it. Byron Levitt was listening to Locked on NBA today when uh, – Ben Golliver and I were trying to come up with a name for Terrence Ross's night last night. He had 35 points, no rebounds, no assists, no blocks, and no steals. Bogey's done it a few times, right? Big point number on top and then zeros. I wanted to call it the donut because you had everything on the outside but nothing on the inside. So that was one idea. Um, it's not a jelly donut because that has stuff on the inside, right? This has 35 points and zero, 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 zero. Um, Byron Levitz is calling it the flat tire. It's kind of an interesting idea. Uh, will the Jazz ever get back to top five defensively? I, I don't think so, Michael Van Orden. Uh, I, I don't think this is a top five defensive team. I kind of think I've been telling you that all year long. Uh, I think I've been trying to tell you from the very beginning we started the year, like the question to me is where what we can do defensively. So I don't think we'll ever be a top five defensive team again. Rudy's great, um, but we don't have the makeup. We don't have the size, we don't have the depth. Being top five is really hard. Um, and so I don't think I I don't think we will be top five defensively. Can we be top ten? I don't know. We haven't shown that at all, frankly. Um, and we're showing the opposite right now. So, uh, you know, we didn't defend much in the preseason. Then we defended for a while. Then we didn't defend. Now we're hopefully going to start defending again. Though we have not shown signs of it. Um, the world, the league is changing right now and making it harder to defend. We're going to have to figure out how we what we do on that. Um, and as the league changes, you're going to have to defend differently. So it's it's. It's hard. No, I, I'm being just totally frank. I, Michael, I don't, I don't think so. Um, Rob says, for every generation since the dot of man has said that the generation after them is lazy. Absolutely. 100%. It's, it's not true. You know what? If it is true, then we suck. We're the ones raising them. I always love that. This you raised them. Somebody had to raise them. They're way better than us. My kids are so much better than I am. It's not even close. Don't tell them I said that. Hopefully they're not listening. Uh, 
How does the team financials look once we start paying for Donovan? Are we going to be able to keep the roster? No, it's going to be hard. That's a few years down the road. I'm not ready for that question, but it's going to be tough. All right, well, that is Locked on Jazz Day, a little bit extended. Hope you had fun. Hope you enjoyed the midday show. We'll be, I'll be back with you tomorrow morning uh, getting you ready for the Celtics. I'm going to try to touch with base with Jeremy Brunner, our, um, one of our producers, and do another kind of who's on the road with the Jazz interviews uh, for you. Thanks very much for tuning in. Afternoon edition, Locked on Jazz. You guys are the best. Talk to you soon. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feet every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.